Tired of complex and high credit card processing fees? It's time to simplify. Whether you own a big business or a small startup, Empower Payments can save you money. Streamline your payment process while saving money today with Empower Payments. Learn more at EmpowerPayments.com. That's EmpowerPayments.com. Hey guys, did you know there's a generic form of Viagra that works just the same but is 90% cheaper? And you can get it online? Just go to 4 slash joy. At Hims, you'll get a free medical consultation, discreet shipping if prescribed, a 100% online process, and trusted generic alternatives to the biggest brands at 90% off. That's right, get generic for Viagra, the same active ingredient as brand name Viagra, but 90% cheaper. It's the same medication you get from your doctor, but with zero copay, no expensive appointments, and no awkward face-to-face -face conversations. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4 slash joy. That's 4 slash joy for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton. This is the Shane Dennis Show on the new ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Welcome in. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Tuesday. Happy noontime. Episode 421, Shane Dennis Show. Jack Johnson alongside. Running the show. Reading your texts, answering your calls, contributing. You can call us at 669-4996 if you want. That's the hotline. 247-0923 is the text line with the area code 316. Once again, the text line, 316-247-0923. Tell your smart speaker to play KKGQ 92.3. Tune in on your phone, ESPNWichita.com, on your laptop, computer, and whatnot. Follow us on Twitter. Be our friends on Facebook. We're at our Riverfront Stadium studio. It's February 14th, 45th day of the year, 320 days left in 2023. And in Wichita today, we're headed for a high of 57 degrees. The show today, beyond uh, laying the dirtiest player in the NFL at one time to rest, we will also, if time allows... Let you know who's going to be invited to spring training for the Royals. That was released earlier. We will talk about what's next for Steve Spagnolo when it comes to the Chiefs. What's next with the organization that just won the Super Bowl and their defensive coordinator? I'll have some numbers for you here in just a little bit. We'll talk about that at 1225. Their other coordinator is the subject of the Twitter question, Eric Bieniemy at ESPN Wichita. So go there, vote, and retweet if you would, please. Top of the hour, 1 o'clock, it'll be Jordan Foote. He's the deputy editor, Arrowhead Report, and our KC Sports Insider. We talk to him every Tuesday. So we'll check in with him and get his thoughts on the Super Bowl. Ask the host coming up at the bottom of second hour. And I'm old Jack Young, February 14, coming up uh, around 140 or so. A little crosstalk with Pat Strothman, the host of The Pulse, and then hand you off to him from 2 to 4 here on a Tuesday. So there's your show. That's how you can be a part of it. That's how you can enjoy it. If you hop in your car and then you're back in your office or you're back at home, you know how to tune us in and keep us on here on this Tuesday. All right, Jack, time now for a moment of levity. Fire away. Well, Shane, my favorite Disney movie is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I love a hero with a twisted backstory. <laughs> All right. Uh, today, <laughs> today it's uh, February 14th. It's Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day began as St. Valentine's Day, a liturgical celebration of one or more early Christian saints named Valentinus. 
Mixed opinions prevail regarding who or what was celebrated in mid-February 1st, uh, to begin with, that is. But it's reported during the 18th century in England, this day was featured as expressing their love for each other, lovers, of course, by presenting flowers and sending Valentine cards. 18th century England, we had Valentine cards. So good for them. If you are wanting a tip for how to observe Valentine's Day, and I know at noon on Valentine's Day, you're probably hanging on my every word, but just in case you are, flowers, chocolate, card, an original poem, homemade meal, and this is suggested, but I would not endorse it. Get something special for your Valentine and use hashtag Valentine's Day to post on social media. Um, I could live without that. And I'm sure even those that have a Valentine, significant other, spouse, um, I'm not sure we want to see how in love you are on social with the hashtag Valentine's Day. But maybe I'm just the uh, Valentine's version of a Scrooge. So, you know. Um, If you are single or not in a relationship or don't have a Valentine, shower yourself with love and attention by pampering yourself, even if you are single. You can also spend the day with friends and celebrate your friendship. In some countries, Valentine's Day is deemed to be pagan or not part of the country's cultural identity. And if you don't have a lot of money, poem, handmade card, too late for breakfast in bed, probably too cool for a picnic, but maybe movie night, take a scenic drive, things like that. So there you go. You're welcome. Valentine's Day. National Donor Day is today, also known as National Organ Donor Day, increasing awareness about organ donation and the lives it saves. More than 120,000 people in the United States waiting for a life-saving organ donation at any given day. National Ferris Wheel Day. It's the birth of George Washington Gale Ferris Jr., the man who invented the Ferris Wheel. So if you've ever been on one, i got to imagine everybody has. We say happy birthday to George Washington Gale Ferris Jr., whether you liked it or not. National Cream-Filled Chocolates Day. You can kill two birds with one stone there. Give your Valentine the gift of cream-filled chocolates. That's today. 58 million pounds of chocolate will be purchased on this day, by the way. Uh, Tomorrow... We'll have three more days to tell you about, including a State of the Union. So check in with us February 15th, and I'll tell you all about it. Birthdays. No, occurrences. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt signed into law a bill creating the Department of Commerce and Labor. That was 1903. Bill France Sr., 1948 incorporated the National Association of Stock Car Racing. The acronym is NASCAR. 1948 businessman and race car driver Bill France Jr. Incorporated NASCAR. Birthdays now. Frederick Douglass led the abolitionist movement and social reforms. Wrote and spoke often advocating for civil rights. Frederick Douglass, 1817. Jack Benny, 1894, American comedian, started his career in vaudeville. And the renowned American dancer-singer Gregory Hines, 1946, gained recognition for his performance in White Nights. Right, there you go. There's February 14th for you. Uh, It was announced last night. And you'd have to be of a certain age. This kind of falls under the uh, I'm old Jack Young section of the show, but we will kind of sort of lead off with it. 
Because if you are my age or older and a football fan, you remember the name Conrad Dobler for a couple of different reasons. If you are a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals, St. Louis football Cardinals, you certainly remember Conrad Dobler. He died at the age of 72. The Arizona Cardinals announced news yesterday, but no cause of death was given. One of the top offensive linemen at his peak, Conrad Dobler, but maybe more famous for being regarded as the league's dirtiest player and something that he wore as a kind of a badge of honor even after he was retired. And those of a certain age will remember him on those Miller Lite commercials, too. Conrad Dobler. So if you're not familiar, Google it or YouTube him. ESPN granted him the number one dirtiest player designation during his player playing days, noting that, quote, he punched Mean Joe Green, he kicked Merlin Olson in the head, he bit, he gouged, and once he spit on a downed and injured opponent. Conrad Dobler. Other dirty players, by the way, according to ESPN.com, dirtiest professional team players, Conrad Dobler being number one, former Cardinal Saint and Bill. But others that made the list... Uh, Jack, you care to guess? I have uh, the top 10 dirtiest players in team sport as ranked by ESPN.com once upon a time. Any, uh, care to ca- ca- hazard a guess here? Uh, I think team player? I do have some fun guesses here. I think I'll get okay. one out of the way from my lifetime. I'll go Alex Rodriguez. No. Dirty wow. player? No, uh-uh. Nope. Uh, I got 10, and I got others receiving votes. So you got uh, you got a pretty wide berth here. So come on, fire me up. Roger Clemens? Yeah, he's others receiving votes. Ro- Roger Clemens is on this list. Um. Okay, this one's because I've seen him literally throw a punch. <laughs> How about A.J. Pruszynski? No, that's a no? Really, good, really good one. But no, he's not <sighs> among the – and this is a little dated. I mean, it's yeah. – uh, it's, you know, from the past, but yeah, I think you get a handful of these guys. Uh, how about Rob Dibble? No. Whoa. Another good guess, although he hit, uh, who did he hit in the back? <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> he tried to bun on But him. that's what I'm saying. I've, uh, like, how far back do I need to go here? Well, it, there are uh, there are recent dudes and there's old timers. Uh, you just need to kind of broaden your horizon as far as See, that's, all kinds of sports represented here too i think that's where i'm struggling on in terms of dirty like i've seen guys be you know asses on the field and throw punches right. but it's a matter of who was actually dirty uh, i guess i'll have to go to maybe like the 70s and 80s era like does pete rose count no but you're kind of on the right track now um here i'll give you one and maybe this will jog yeah. your memory when you talk about the 70s and 80s that's uh um, here's number 10. And a texter just said Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb yeah. is on the list. Yeah, yeah. Ty Cobb was the sixth dirtiest player, uh, according to ESPN.com, because he'd go into, uh, go into the bag spikes high. He'd, he'd spike people when he slid into the bases. Jack Tatum, 1971 and 1980 for the Raiders. He had a book. It's, it was called They Call Me Assassin. And he's the guy that paralyzed Daryl Stingley. I know this is way before your time, Jack, but I know you probably yeah. have at least seen the video. He's the one that paralyzed Daryl Stingley from New England in an exhibition game. It was a preseason game. Uh, another texter said, Ndamukong Sue. Good guess, but not right. But I only think it's not right because of this This list is aged uh, a little too old. I got one, I think. How about right. Bill Lambeer? Yes, these other receiving votes, yes, of the Pistons. And another Bill is on this list. He's the fifth dirtiest player in team sports. Hmm. And you're going to say, ah, oh, yeah, when I say it. Bill Romanowski. Ah, yep, yep. 
had a hit that broke Kerry Collins' jaw. Also during an exhibition game, by the way. What the hell is wrong with these people? Um, <laughs> spit, uh, spit on J.J. Stokes, I think, uh, if you uh, – if you want to be an investigator or a detective at uh, Spitgate, uh, Google Bill Romanowski. Um, there's another Raider on here. There's a <laughs> hockey player on here. There's a basketball player that you're missing that you'll say, oh, yeah. There's actually a couple of Raiders on here. How about uh, in terms of basketball guys like Ron Artest? Excellent, and he would probably be here if if not for the uh, the age of this uh, Rodman list. Dennis Rodman is go. third dirtiest player. <laughs> yes. I like this Na- game. Named the dirtiest player in the NBA in a Sports Illustrated poll in 1997. Kicked a cameraman, headbutted an official, uh, you know, stuff like that. So if you're going to get Dennis Rodman, you damn sure, did you already say his former teammate? Rodman's former teammate? Yeah, with the Pistons. Oh, who? I said Lambeer. Lambeer, okay. Um, yeah, I said Lambeer. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, should I go more baseball or NFL here? Well, if you go baseball, they're going to be old timers. Um, I'm looking at the second. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not going to be on the player. list, but I feel like Pedro Martinez deserves some votes. He does deserve some votes. <laughs> uh, other baseball players receiving votes. Believe it or not, Bob Gibson. Okay. Because he was hmm. kind of a head. Headhunter and Don Drysdale is also on this list. Um, he had a two for one rule, Don Drysdale did, and that means if an opposing pitcher hit a Dodger, he'd hit two of your guys. <laughs> I like that guy's style. Uh, RIP. Others receiving votes Kevin Gogan, offensive lineman, um, Charles Barkley, I'm not exactly sure how or why. Mean Joe Green, and a former chief made the list, Jerome Woods. Mm. I don't recall him being dirty, but whatever. Uh, The second dirtiest player on this list is Marty McSorley, a hockey player, and I feel like you could probably fill the entire list. Well, that's unfair to hockey players. But anyway, uh, so Dobler, getting back to Conrad Dobler, dirtiest player in the game, that was going back to a 1977 article in sports illustrated where he said i'll do anything i can get away with to protect my quarterback and there's a miller light commercial in 1987 where he totally leans into the persona um by all accounts much better guy off the field and a nicer guy and i think he had a sports talk radio show i believe if i'm not mistaken um, after he retired from the Bills in uh, 1981, pretty sure. He played for and was really good with the aforementioned St. Louis Cardinals. The coach at the time was the late, great Don Coriel, who was one of the most recent members uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, there was a span there from 74 to 77, whether that either the Cardinals won 10 games or Dobler was a pro bowler. So he was more than just uh, known for kicking and biting people if he could get away with it. He was a fifth-round pick in 1972, six seasons with the Cardinals, also uh, spent some time with the Saints and Buffalo Bills before he retired in 1981. So if you get a chance today and uh, you're not at work or if work allows it, um, YouTube Conrad Dobler and check out his Miller Lite beer commercials. They're funny. By the way, I don't know that anybody's nailed beer commercials better um, than Miller Lite over the years with Billy Martin and John Madden and all kinds of sports, uh, Mickey Mantle, all kinds of uh, it's a who's who of sports legends doing Miller Lite commercials over the years. Not so much anymore. Jack, we didn't talk about this yesterday, but real quick, um, what did you make of the Michelob Ultra uh, play on Caddyshack and the handful of commercials that they had in the Super Bowl? Do you recall those? Were the, was the volume up 
where you were watching, what did you think? First of all, I was underwhelmed by the commercials. Yeah. Like, I guess there's only so many good ideas you can have, and we're probably just about out of them. But um, the Michelob Ultra, I was like, yeah, it's a good try, but meh for me. Yeah, it was it was meh for me as well. I, I typically, well, it's only become you know common here in the last couple of years, but when the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, I don't spend as much time or analyze the commercials that well. But there were a couple that yeah. popped up, and I was entertained by. Now I was at a bar, so the volume wasn't great for me. I got, you know, I could pretty much tell what they were saying most of the time, but some of them right, I was completely right. tuned out on. The Caddyshack one wasn't bad. I think my favorite one was the Breaking Bad Pop Chips one, uh, just because yeah. I love Breaking Bad. I thought that was very creative. Uh, the Gronk one was with that was that Allstate Progressive. I can't remember. He kicked the field goal. I don't. Oh. Well, he kicked the field goal for FanDuel. FanDuel, that was it. I think Gronk yeah. was in a couple commercials. You know what they, they said about that? That it was fake. I thought the kick looked fake. Uh, I won't go so far as to say I don't think he actually kicked it. But did you see how bad that thing hooked? Yeah, I, that kick didn't look real. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, and I didn't uh, jump in on uh, whatever you uh, got rewarded with if you – made a bet on FanDuel, I think that's how that went. And then you'd split a, a gigantic pot if you made a bet. But I, I expected a little more out of that, but it seemed like that was only like a 15-second little blurp. They kicked it, and the ball somehow miraculously hooked by about 10 yards, considering it was only about a 20-yard kick, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, overall, yeah, the commercials were underwhelming. Even when you had you know a star cast, I, I think – when the Chiefs were losing, I just thought every commercial sucked because I was in a bad mood. Because <laughs> you're mad. <laughs> I was mad. It's stupid. It's not funny at all. But you know what? It's kind of weird because, you know, in the Super Bowl, that is one of the things you do look forward to. But I've had kind of a change of heart of late. I used to, like, growing up, I spent a lot of time watching those commercials and re-watching them after the Super Bowl because they were so funny. Now maybe it's because I don't care as much because the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl the majority of the time. Or if it's just that they aren't as funny anymore. But as I just the, don't think they're as good. I, yeah. I think they're running out of really they're not as edgy. cool ideas. No. The edgy ones were really, really funny. And I think the Caddyshack one, it could have been better. And you think that most yeah. beer commercials can be better. They can toe that boundary. They can be more edgy. But they really weren't. Uh, I didn't think yeah. that most of the beer commercials were that edgy. Which, you know, knowing me, knowing you, with our jokes to open up the show, we like the edginess. Uh, and mm-hmm. when you're not as edgy, it's not as funny. Yeah, a couple of texts coming in on the text line, 316-247-0923. The Budweiser Frogs, they were great. The Mountain Dew Ferret. Um, Some of the – Spuds McKenzie going all the way back to God knows when. I don't even know when that – jeez, was that the – yeah, I guess it was the 90s. But – and then Bud Bowl, you had the the Bud and Bud Light, the bottles going at it, and you could – I think you could even bet on it, but I'm not exactly sure. But, yeah, it's just uh, if it seems like some of these commercials are jumping the shark, it's because they're running out of ideas, and all the best ideas were reserved for the Super Bowl. Uh, speaking of, 113 million people watched the Super Bowl across digital and traditional TV platforms. Makes it the most watched Super Bowl since 2017 according to ratings from Nielsen. Uh, it drew slightly more eyeballs than last year's broadcast, which got 112.3 million viewers. That was, the, of course, the Rams and Bengals. Uh, the year before, Bucks Chiefs, 96.4 million dollars uh, viewers. I'm sorry. And the most watched... Even more than the Chiefs Eagles, and that was a lot. Is the Patriots and Seahawks that Super Bowl? So, uh, by the way, also Rihanna's performance at halftime drew an average of 118.7 million viewers, making it the most watched halftime show since Katy Perry danced with some sharks. No surprise, Kansas City was a top local market. As far as eyeballs, followed by Philadelphia, and then Cincinnati, Detroit, and Pittsburgh, as far as viewers of the Super Bowl. All right. Speaking of the Super Bowl, kind of. 
defensive coordinator for the winning team in the Super Bowl, is Steve Spagnolo. So for the next couple of days, if you don't mind, we're going to run a segment called "What uh, What's Next for? And Spags is leading it off. What's next for Spags? There was some chatter throughout the course of the year um, by us every now and then, but I feel like uh, maybe more so in Kansas City after a less than enthusiastic performance by the defense that some would view Spagnolo as part of the problem instead of part of the solution. So what's next for Spags? I got some numbers on this defense and – can it be better? Can the players be coached better? Or are they okay because of number 15, if you know what I mean? So we'll talk about that when we come back. Well, I've got the Twitter question. It has to do with Eric Bieniemy, who just might be a, a future subject of what's next for later on in the week. Jordan Foote, 1 o'clock. Ask the host, 125. I'm old Jacks Young. That's the rest of the show for you. Thank you so much for dropping by and spending your Valentine's Day with us. We love you for it. ESPNWichita.com and 92.3 FM. Spags Talk. What's next for him? That's next. It's 1225. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. I tend to second-guess dinners with friends because they're often interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon Pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints, call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit Creon.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N.com. Sponsored by Ab. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Here in Manhattan, every man is a wildcat. Into the corner for three. Yes, sir! Yes, sir! Join us for the start of a new era. Our next head basketball coach at Kansas State University, Jerome Tang. Be a part of the wildcat journey all season long on your home for Kansas State basketball. Tonight, Kansas State faces Oklahoma. Hear the tip-off tonight at 8, right here on the home of the Wildcats, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM.
next for Steve Spagnuolo. And maybe more to the point of what's next for the Kansas City Chiefs organization when it comes to their decision, when it comes to the coaching staff for the Chiefs. Um, We start with Spagnuolo because he's an interesting study, I think, because he is a defensive coordinator on a team that has one of the most, if not the the most effective slash dynamic offenses in the NFL. Now, for this exercise, we will limit this, limit our scope and concentration and numbers that we'll give you to the AFC because it doesn't really matter if the Chiefs defensively give up more yards than the 49ers, the Eagles, or the Commanders, because who cares? They're not playing those guys uh, consistently, but they are obviously in the AFC. That's the measuring stick. And all they have to do, in theory, is be the best team in the AFC. They'll go to the Super Bowl, and then we'll let the chips fall where they may. But of the 16 teams in the AFC, What you have to look at and look for when it comes to the Chiefs' defense are a couple of different things that kind of fall into the intangible category, but they turn into tangible things like yards allowed, um, points per game, rushing yards per game, things like that. When it comes to Steve Spagnuolo, I'm sure the Chiefs' organization's asking itself – Can our defense be better? Is it because uh, success or failure of a particular game, because of the players or because of the scheme? And of these numbers that I'm going to give you, are those satisfactory considering the offense that the Chiefs run out there? And I think that's probably something that goes unsaid and maybe unnoticed. For other teams, when you talk about a coordinator, because a coordinator's shelf life has more to do than you think with the other side of the ball, if you follow the logic. And I think, and I'm, I don't know that I've been critical of Steve Spagnuolo. I think I like him more than not. And I think his defense and his scheme and his ideology is fine to somewhere between fine and good. But when you think about what he is asking of his defense and what Andy Reid is asking of him, it hinges on the success of this crazy good offense and limiting or perhaps fueling uh, chances taken defensively because you got a pretty good idea that the offense is going to score around 30 points per game, or 27 probably, uh, to be more accurate. But this past year in the regular season, I'm leaving off the postseason. I'm also leaving off turnovers forced, because while that's not a random stat, if you play fantasy football, you know from one year to the next, a defense – forcing turnovers feels really random or it fluctuates wildly at the very least. I think we can all agree on that. You lead the league in turnovers forced one year. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do it the next. You lead the league in sacks one year. All right. I can buy that more. um, Assuming full health, uh, nobody leaves or very few people leave and things like that. But, Here are the numbers of this Chiefs defense in the regular season. And let's try to determine, can they be better? Is it about the Jimmys and Joes and not necessarily the scheme? And are these numbers okay, considering what's going on on the other side of the ball? This regular season, the Chiefs defense in yards allowed, was seventh in the AFC of 16. So 
upper half. Yards per game, if you want to kind of split hairs, because not everybody played the same amount of games, Chiefs were actually sixth in yards per game allowed in the AFC. Passing yards per game, they were ninth. They gave up 220 yards per game on average. That doesn't seem like much, and I can't believe there were so many other defenses, not only in the AFC but in the NFL, that gave up less than 220 yards a game, but there were a bunch of them. But there were the Chiefs at about 221 passing yards per game allowed. That was ninth in the AFC. Rushing yards per game, Kansas City was seventh in the AFC. And it should be pointed out, I don't know what this means, if anything, but six of the seven teams, actually seven of the eight teams, top eight, were from the AFC in rushing yards per game allowed. And the Chiefs gave up 107.2 rushing yards per game. Now, the Bills are better. The Bengals are better. The Dolphins were better, but I think you can make the argument that the reason why those teams didn't give up many rushing yards is because they were ahead all the time and the other team was passing it all the time. But anyway, just raw numbers. They were seventh in the AFC in rushing yards allowed per game. Points per game, tenth out of 16 teams in the AFC. They gave up 21.7 points per game. So, Jack... First of all, what do you think of Steve Spagnolo? Just kind of a blanket statement. And those numbers that I gave you, are those okay? And if not, why not? And am I leaving out any other uh, statistical category that would either maybe build Steve Spagnolo up a little more or tear him down a little more? What's your thoughts? I think Steve Spagnolo has the best job in the NFL. Uh, because he has an offense, or this team has an offense, that's always top of the league or right up there at the top of the league in scoring. So what does your defense have to be to win a damn Super Bowl? Middle of the pack? Maybe like 20th best in the league? And I think that's why you know there is a little bit of a cushion for Steve Spagnuolo, because as long as you win, you don't want to make any changes. Now, at the same time, where I do want to give Steve Spagnuolo his credit is that he did take over the worst defense in football. When Bob Sutton was fired at the end of the 2019 season, the Chiefs I people, were... I think people forget that. That's it, a good point. They were terrible, terrible, terrible defense. He came in. I would say that we saw some big changes. They went through better stretches in the Bob Sutton group at the tail end of his time. Because remember, back in 2015, I want to say... I think Bob Sutton had number one, maybe number two, number three best defense in the NFL. So the Chiefs at one point had a really good defense. It just didn't last that long. I think Steve Spagnuolo has made this a respectable defense. At times where I get critical is that you do have star players on that side of the ball where they could be a top 11, top 10 type of defense. But when you are winning a lot, it doesn't really matter when it's all said and done. There's good enough numbers. They get after the quarterback, and I think when Steve Spagnuolo was hired, one of my first thoughts was, can he just make them do one or two things really, really well? Can they get after the quarterback and maybe defend the pass? Can they be really good at stopping the run and, I guess, having the least amount of penalties or something like that? If they could just have two things they did really well, they could survive in the postseason. They weren't going to be limited or completely derailed by their defense. And I think when I when I look at this team now and I look at this defense, I don't think there's a defensive coordinator you could pry away somewhere and implement them into the team, implement them into Steve Spagnuolo's spot, and expect a big change. Like that's I think they're kind of just the defense that they are. You may be, be able to find through the draft a superstar down the road. I think that is certainly possible in the way you found Chris Jones. But the thing is, the Chiefs' defense is always going to be very similar in the way the Indianapolis Colts' defense was with Peyton Manning. I thought one of the best ways to describe them was that they are built to play with a 14-point lead. They are yeah. just built to be a bend-don't-break defense. They're never going to wow you. They'll have wow moments, but in a lot of the games in the regular season, they're going to give up 370 yards. You're just hoping they give up 24 points and not 34 points. How much Steve Spagnuolo has changed that 
I guess it really can be credited that he's changed a good amount of this defense, but at the same time, it's an inconsistent defense, right? We've seen the Denver Broncos, the worst offense in the NFL, score the most points they had all season against Kansas City. Like, that shouldn't happen, but when you're winning games, you look back and you go, okay, well, it didn't really matter. When it matters most against Cincinnati, against Philly, how did they play? Well, I guess you can say they played well well enough. They got the big play when it mattered most. And if that really is the stealing for Steve Spagnuolo's defense, I'm just going to sit back and go, all right, well, if they're winning Super Bowls and it's just because their offense and their defense does enough and basically just isn't the worst defense in the NFL – it's fine by me because I'd say I'd say if you come up with a big turnover like you're talking about, that lends itself to give credit more to the to the player than the scheme. But maybe I'm maybe I'm being too critical. I think that's more of a big playability from a playmaker uh, versus scheme, at least more times than not. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and I think you look around the NFL, look at the other top five teams in the league with with Philly, for example. Well, Philly had a great offense and, oh, by the way, a really good defense. And they didn't win the Super Bowl. Like, that just can happen sometimes. The 49ers, best defense in the NFL. They didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Now, they had injuries derail them. But point being that you can have a really good defense. Hell, Cincinnati had a great defense. Buffalo had a great defense. It doesn't always result in a Super Bowl win. And maybe that's because the Chiefs' offense is just that much better than everybody else. It doesn't matter who you throw at them, they're going to score 30-plus points on any given Sunday. And the defense, as long as they don't give up 40-plus or 35-plus, they're going to be fine. They have enough star power on that side of the ball to take over games. So Steve Spagnuolo, hey, he's a two-time Super Bowl. Actually, excuse me, a three-time Super Bowl champ. Yeah. Yeah. So he has been there before. He's got the experience. And, yeah, there's going to be times that I have my fair share of criticism. Hell, I had it for him on the Super Bowl, as Pat pointed out in his show. I said they should fire his ass if they lose the Super Bowl because they just never made adjustments. And I think that was the most frustrating thing about Steve Spagnuolo's defense is it was never an adjustment type of defense. They always stuck to their ways. But then I kind of took a step back and said, wait a minute, the whole damn coaching staff is like that. They're stubborn. They don't change their ways. Now, didn't in the playoffs at least uh, Spags come off of that and have uh, Sneed shadow some of the best receivers that they saw? So it kind of baby steps, steps he came off of that, uh, you know, stubbornness a little? Yeah, I think he did adjust a little bit from time to time, but there still were times you're going, okay, why the hell is George Karloff just covering Jamar Chase in the flat? You just had those moments going, what are we doing here? But also at the same time, I think I can sum this up perfectly with coaches, no matter how good or how bad. I always love to use baseball analogies, and I think you'll definitely understand this one, Shane, with a manager. When a manager makes a, a gutsy move or makes you know a pitching change in a, in a right spot or a wrong spot, it lives or dies on if it works. right? If it works out, you sure. go, that guy's a genius. It fails, they go, that guy's an idiot. Right, I think with Steve Spagnolo, there's times where we praise him because they had a great performance or there's a turnover forced or they get after a Bengals offensive line with blitzing the hell out of him. We go, he's a genius. Right, and there's times where the defense is non-existent, they're getting pushed all over the field, and we go, man, Spags is an idiot. I think that's why coordinator spots are, are very tough, and they're very similar to a managerial spot in baseball because you're making those schematic decisions, and it basically lives on lives and dies whether your players execute that or not. Sometimes... You know, Steve Spagnuolo is putting in a good defensive scheme, and the players poorly execute it. And that happens. We just never know it because all we get is the viewership, the fan view of it. That if it doesn't work and you don't want to blame the players, who do you blame? You blame the coordinator that put them in those spots. And there are no linebacker analysts. (laughs) No. No quarterbacks. (laughs) No. And so I think I sit back after this second Super Bowl win with Steve Spagnuolo as the defensive coordinator and go, he's fine Uh, if they were to move on from him. I'm not losing any sleep. If they are to keep him, I'm not losing any sleep. It's kind of in the same way I view Eric Bieniemy. Like as long as Andy Reid is there to be the top guy with that coaching staff, they're going to be able to fill spots just fine. Like if if Eric Bieniemy moves on to the Washington job or goes goes and joins, you know, I don't know, a coaching opening don't with Indianapolis. All, don't go walking all over my topics for the rest of the week. <laughs> just stay in your lane here. I got a follow up question or two here for you, so keep it to the defense. Damn we'll it. keep it the defense. But if Steve okay. Steve Spagnuolo walks walks away, if he says, "Hey, I'm going to call it quits. I've got three Super Bowl rings. I'm good. I want to go spend time with family," it, it wouldn't really alarm me. Because I think the the structure, that the Chiefs have built this structure where whoever steps into a coordinator role, 
they're probably going to be fine unless they bring in somebody with an outside voice and they have an overwhelmingly different scheme. The thing is, though, the Chiefs aren't going to hire somebody with a completely different scheme because it's harder to implement that defense. Steve Spagnuolo had a much different scheme than Bob Sutton, which is why it was an overhaul and it took a little bit of time for that defense to take shape. And now that defense has been figured out a little bit, so if they win a different direction, I'd be okay with it. If they retained him, we've won a Super Bowl. Twice they've won a Super Bowl with him, so it's really not going to be that much of a difference. It comes down to just how good this offense can really be. The Chiefs' best defense is a really good offense because then they can play with with bigger leads in the game. And they have a tremendous advantage over the rest of the league with that offense as it pertains to how they call plays on defense. I think we're both in lockstep when it comes to that. And that's no knock on Steve Spagnuolo. He can't help it that they got a Hall of Fame quarterback on the other side of the field or on the other side of the line. But I would agree with, well, I would agree with you on that part of it. And I assume we're both in lockstep that if Steve Spagnuolo parts ways with the Chiefs, it's because he's tired of coaching and not necessarily because the Chiefs are going to cut him loose, correct? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I, I would I would agree with you on that. Okay, uh, so here are some of the upcoming free agents on the defensive side for the Chiefs, and they're all surprisingly cheap. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on what they do about these free agents, if anything. All right, you ready? I'm ready for it. Carlos Dunlap, he's uh, almost 34. I think I would let him walk. Derek Noddy. 27-ish. I would let him walk because Colin Saunders emerged at the end of the year. Dion Bush. I'm letting him walk. Juan Thornhill. Makes $1.16 million, by the way. I know you need depth, but I think with Brian Cook getting more snaps at the end of the year, I think I'm okay letting Thornhill walk. Just to be official, Kalen Saunders. Okay, I'd re-sign Saunders instead of not. Okay. Tershawn Wharton. Was hurt all of last year. I think he. I would re-sign him because it'll be a cheaper deal. Now, those are all the defensive free agents. That's it. Everybody else is locked up. So if you like the defense or don't like the defense, learn to live with it because that's pretty much what it is. Now, a couple of guys that let's flash forward to because there have been some chatter about – I was unaware of it, but Pat brought it up to me yesterday about maybe making trades and the number one trade topic on pat strothman's lips anyway was chris jones his contract expires in 2024 so these are the guys with two years left on their deal you tell me what the Chiefs should do with them starting with chris jones average salary 20 million guaranteed 60 million expires 2024 do anything with them or just leave it? I think I would leave it. Uh, I Also, I was somebody at the beginning of the year that said I would entertain the idea of trading Chris Jones because of how much you got in return for Tyreek Hill. And I think it, it's fair to make that trade. It would be a, a huge return, and who knows how well Chris Jones ages. But he, by far and away, is the home wrecker on your defense. That defense is worse than the league if it does not have Chris Jones up front because he takes on so much pressure and he is able to take on about two or three linemen up front, which opens up spots for your edge rusher. So at first I was thinking you could trade Chris Jones, but also I think you want to maximize a lot on this current window in Kansas City, and trading away Chris Jones just doesn't feel like you would be maximizing on this two- or three-year window with him under contract. He's only 28, too. I didn't realize yeah. that, and I agree with you there. Now, a curi- more curious case, Frank Clark, who's 29. His contract expires in 2024. 20- only $8.275 million guaranteed for Frank Clark. Hold, hold steady or uh, something else with Frank Clark? See, I like Frank Clark for his postseason numbers, and I think he would be taking team discounts for the rest of his career. I think that he wants to stay here where he can win a ring. But let's go to the mock draft in 2023. It appears the Chiefs would want to go after another edge rusher. Edge, then you yeah. have Dunlap. Or excuse me, you have Karloftis, and then you'd have another edge rusher. You keep around Mike Dana on a cheaper deal. I just think for the regular season production, I'm all right with letting Frank Clark walk if you could have Karloftis and this new rookie, and maybe through the 2023 draft, starting on the opposite end. So I think the Chiefs need to get a little bit younger in that position and let Frank Clark walk. 
Well, you already gave this one away because Mike Dana is a free agent after 2024. You'd be willing to lock him up. He is 25. Frank Clark is 29. If it was a one-year deal around four to six mil, I'm all right bringing him back. But again... You want to offer him an extension right now? For cheap. Maybe like a two-year... Eight to eight and a half million dollars. I'd be all right with that. You always need depth up front, and I think Mike Dana has shown that. You know, when healthy, he can be a pretty disruptive pass rusher. Maybe not in the way that Frank Clark can be, but again, four years younger than Clark, I think I'll take a cheaper Mike Dana. This seems like a no-brainer, but Willie Gay is going to be a free agent after twenty twenty-four. He is twenty-four, uh, three years in the league, currently making one point three. 1.9 guaranteed. What to do with Willie Gay? You love him or not so much? I really do like Willie Gay, but I think if it came down to choosing Willie Gay or Nick Bolden, I think the front office would go with Nick Bolden. I think, of course, with the hometown roots a little bit, uh, being a fan favorite, and Willie Gay has had some injury problems in the past. He's had off-field troubles in the past. I think they would choose Nick Bolden because I think he's getting better and better in coverage. And Willie Gay, who was sort of deemed as this great pass coverage linebacker, has had his mishaps in that area as well. I think you want to stay steady at that linebacker spot because it is really hard to find great linebackers. So unless you found a stud or Leo Chennault develops into a stud in year two or year three, I think you do have to keep Willie Gay around, so I would give him an extension. Now, because they have so many really good young corners, the Legereus Sneed question, I think, becomes more fascinating. He's a free agent after 2024. He's 26. He is not even guaranteed 600000 bucks. You move on from Legereus Sneed and keep drafting cornerbacks, or do you give him a deal? I think you look at the way the Chiefs handled Charvarius Ward and I think handle Legereus Sneed the same way. If Legereus Sneed is wanting big-time money to be a number 1 cornerback, I think you let him walk because that's the main reason you had three starters that were rookies in the secondary this year. You have a Trent McDuffie, who's a blue-chip prospect. Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams emerge in the secondary. Brett Veach finds value in cornerbacks in the later rounds. I'd expect him to find even more value in this upcoming draft. And when you load up that secondary with young talent and they can get those snaps in year one, you feel much more confident letting guys like Jerry Sin and Charverius Ward walk because Trent McDuffie's already been in the big-time spot. He's had to guard number one wide receivers. Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams have to do the same thing. So why give... Legereus need the money when you can have guys that are not far off in talent level from him at a much lesser price. And you're going to continue to replenish that secondary with young talent through the draft where Brett Veach really shines at. So I would, shockingly, let Legereus Sneed walk. So, in essence, uh, what's next for Steve Spagnolo? Nothing. Unless he just wants to ride off into the sunset. So he probably is not going anywhere, and it's probably okay considering what he has on defense to work with and 15 on the other side scoring a buttload of points. All right, it's 1251. When we come back, we'll have an abbreviated Twitter segment, and then we'll get to Jordan Foote, get his thoughts on the Super Bowl and other things. That's coming up next, 1252. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Hi, this is Brian Davis with Davis Liquor Outlet. And this is Blake Davis with a great deal on Michelob Ultra 24-packs, just $24.99. And don't forget about Jack Daniels Black 1.75 liters, only $42.99. Davis Liquor Outlet, each store independently owned and operated. Excludes 31st Meridian. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Oh, want better visibility to get you through the winter? A new pair of premium wipers can help. Right now, you can earn a $10 bonus reward when you buy a pair of Rain-X Quantum Wiper Blades. See better and stay safe on the road all winter long. Get the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Offer available to AutoZone Rewards members. 
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Kansas City Steak Company, another AmericanEagle.com success story. Started in 1932 as a family-owned butcher shop, today they're a leading distributor of superior all-American steaks delivered right to your door, ready for the grill and your taste buds. When it came to their website, an average site wouldn't do. They chose AmericanEagle.com to take their website to the next level. With a dramatic increase in competition and a softening market demand, they had two challenges. Improve their brand presence and message and produce a positive return. AmericanEagle.com got to work and executed usable studies and detailed audits of site experience, digital assets, and marketing. The result? An integrated digital marketing and customer experience plan, organic traffic increase of 20%, and a long-term roadmap for success. If you love great steaks, go to KansasCitySteaks.com. For website design, development, and online solutions that bring efficiency and results, visit AmericanEagle.com. If you need a results-driven website, call the team at AmericanEagle.com at 877-WEBNOW-1. That's 877-WEBNOW-1. Wichita's home for Chiefs coverage. ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. I, I told y'all before the season, we got, we got Coach Andy Reid, we got guys like Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Frank Clark. We're going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Coach Reid, there's some reports out there that you might retire. I, mean, I think I'm going to hang around. Uh, I'm not going to say dynasty yet. We're not done. So I'm not going to say dynasty yet. When you want the latest on your favorite teams, tune into Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. All right, we need to take care of the Twitter and then turn right around and talk to Jordan Foote. He's coming up at 1 o'clock, so we're almost there. The Twitter question has to do with another coordinator for Kansas City, and that's Eric Bieniman at ESPN Wichita. If you would go there and lend us your expertise, please do so. Uh, fill in the blank on the Twitter at ESPN Wichita. Eric Bieniman is blank. Chiefs head coach in waiting. Kansas City offensive coordinator next year, a head coach in 24, or an OC elsewhere in 2023. Those are the options you have. Chiefs head coach in waiting. Kansas City offensive coordinator this year, or next year, I guess, and a head coach elsewhere in 2024, or an OC elsewhere in 2023. 41% of the people think he's going to be an OC elsewhere in 2023. 37.7% say Chiefs head coach in waiting. And 21.3% say Kansas City offensive coordinator next year, head coach somewhere else the year after that. Reading between the lines and and, uh, kind of uh, leaping to conclusions, I guess, a little bit, it seemed to me like Andy Reid, in his comments after the Super Bowl, I don't know if he was talking about him being a head coach or a coordinator somewhere else, but it, he made it sound like he – I know Andy's not like this, but he made it sound like he wanted him out the door and go be an offensive coordinator somewhere else. That's probably not what he meant, but that's what it sounded like to me. And he's, he's banged the drum for Eric Bieniemy more than once about being a head coach. Just hadn't happened yet um, for reasons that – I'm sure everybody has an opinion. We can talk about that tomorrow, which we probably will. Um, 12.25 tomorrow will probably be uh, what's next for EB. But Chiefs head coach in waiting, if that's the case, I'll go out on a limb and say that's the only way he gets a head coaching job. Maybe a little extreme, but that's the feeling I get. If he's going to be a head coach, he might have to stick around and wait for Andy to retire if Brett Veach is willing to go that far. And who knows if he is. But 
he's kind of a polarizing dude, Eric D- Eric Bieniemy, and how often you think he actually calls plays and yada yada yada. But 41% say an OC elsewhere in 2023. That's leader in the clubhouse right now. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to Jordan Foote, ask him about the hold on Bradbury at the end of the game. We'll talk about the Chiefs' run game. And why did Kansas City only have a 22-yard completion as their longest pass? And was that a good thing? Super Bowl Rewind with Jordan Foote, among other things. Also, Ask the Host coming up in hour number two. We're right on top of the hour, the Can't Equip Case IH Red Zone Hour. When we return, Jordan Foote, Deputy Editor at Arrowhead Report. With some more Chiefs talk next. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.